movies at this. This is where the fun begins. Take a seat. Hey there, guys, and welcome back to the Jedi Jargon Podcast, your number one source for news, discussion, and analysis of all things Star Wars. This is episode 10. My name is Jedi Master OB, and I first experienced the franchise through LEGO Star Wars. And this right here is Jedi Master Jeff, the boy who faced Darth Maul at Disney World and lived to tell the tale. We are also joined in studio today by a good friend of the program and an even better friend to the both of us, Mr. Matthew Cubitas. Jeff, how you doing today? I'm great, man. And I'm really happy to have Cubitas here with us today, our good friend Matt. How you doing today, Matt? I'm doing pretty well, guys. Thank you for having me on. I'm really excited about joining you today, and I'm glad that for once I'll hear my dulcet tones over Apple Podcasts. <laughs> yeah, man, it's going to be good. Um, you want to explain to the Padawans out there what, uh, what brought you to Star Wars? Sure. So I was actually thinking about this uh, a lot the last few weeks because I've been getting into Star Wars during quarantine a lot more than usual. And I believe my first experience with Star Wars was Attack of the Clones. Uh, it came out right when I was like four-ish. And uh, that's my first exposure. My Pretty much my uh, most... Uh, vivid memory of growing up with Star Wars is just in the car on a road trip watching the Battle of Geonosis over and over and over again. It's so good, man. I love that. That's definitely a scene that you want to rewind and watch over and over again, especially when you're, you know, like seven, eight years old. Definitely. Definitely. Very excited to have you on the podcast, Matt. Um, listeners, it has finally come to pass. Uh, I know we're about two weeks late. <laughs> In getting to it, but the Clone Wars has come to an end. We are now in the age of the Empire. And yes. it it definitely it was a little tough, you know, coming coming to terms with the end of the Clone Wars, a show that we have loved and discussed and debated and analyzed for so long. Uh, but it's finally over. And we are two weeks late, as I said, in getting this podcast out to you guys to the day. Uh, today is Monday. And I think that the just the way that it ended was a large part, uh, was a large factor in it taking so long for us to get it out to you guys. Oh, absolutely. I know, you know, between the two of us, we've, you know, astonishingly enough, you know, um, OB and I talk often, uh, we're very close, and we managed to keep the conversations about victory and death to a minimum in this time uh, there's just been so much going on in general um and the episode itself uh was a lot like there's a lot to unpack there and you know we will today um but saying goodbye to something you love is never easy um you know clone wars is near and dear to all of us uh star wars fans all of us here on this pod so uh we're here we made it and uh we're glad to have you guys. Mm -hmm. And I feel all sorts of empty after watching this episode and all sorts of full at, at the same time. It, it's, exactly. you know, uh, we all knew with this final arc of the Clone Wars that it was going to rip our hearts out. And I just did not see it going the way that it went. Uh, and I mean that in a good way. I mean that in a good way. So uh, really quick, let's just go through and give our letter grade rating of the show and just your initial thoughts. 
And then afterwards, what we're going to do is we're going to go through and just go beat by beat and break down the episode. Um, and you guys can jump in, jump in wherever, of course. So let's start with you, Matt. Just give us your, your letter grade for the episode and, and why, you, why you chose that. Sure. So I would say, um, I, I, th- I think I really need to talk about it, uh, you know, the finale in all four parts. I would say the first three episodes would be an A-plus for me, and then the actual finale is probably an A. Interesting. Why would you say that? Uh, really, it's, it's, it's completely nitpicky. I, I had some of the, the points, and we can get into this uh, as we discuss, uh, some of the points in the episodes left me with questions. Uh, never really bad questions, but uh, I suppose the way that... Um, the way that... Uh, it, can we speak... Is this a spoiler-free zone at the moment? We have not sounded the spoiler klaxons yet, so... Do let's do that now. So we are going to yeah. sound these spoiler klaxons before anybody says anything that they shouldn't. <laughs> and here we go. <laughs> Alright, the spoiler claxons have been sounded. Consider yourselves forewarned. Anything beyond this point is spoiler territory. If you get the episode spoiled, uh, that is on you, number one, because the episode came out two weeks ago, and number two, because we just sounded the spoiler claxons. So, uh, spoil away, Matt. Thanks, yeah. I, that's the thing, is that even reviewing uh, the last episode, I really can't uh, speak about my minor criticism without uh, the spoiler, and that is how Rex and Ahsoka get off of the cruiser. It, I had some problems with, like, why the clones continued to hunt them as the ship was descending and clearly going to crash and kill all of them. Why then they didn't just escape, and also just how how much uh, it kind of bent. Uh, I suppose you would say my suspension of disbelief with their ultimate escape in the Y-Wing and how Rex managed to capture Ahsoka. But again, it's relatively minor. It's It wasn't enough to take me fully out of the episode, but it was it, it did teeter on the edge of being like, yeah, this is kind of unrealistic even for Star Wars. Okay. I think that uh, brings it over to me. You guys have already heard my grades for the other three parts of the siege. Um, for victory and death part four i i would probably give this one an a minus um i love it i love i have loved this arc so much it means so much to me uh the revenge of the sith is my favorite movie in the entire saga so having this beautiful little companion piece to go along with it means the world to me uh but this final part um for different reasons than you mentioned matt um, this episode felt, a, maybe it was just the overall structure of it and what the characters were going through in the 20 odd minutes we watched them. It was, it felt final. Um, that's for sure. Um, I, it just felt different than the rest. Still cinematic, yes, but very much more in the vein of a Clone Wars getaway episode rather than a movie um the other three parts just had much more of a cinematic flair um to me and i'm sure you guys know what i'm talking about 
Um, the chase was fine, like the getaway, the crash, and seeing Maul just single-handedly rip that cruiser out of hyperspace was a highlight for me. Um, something else uh, that really this final arc has been such a beautiful love letter to him and uh, means a lot to me again I, I i i did face him and live after all right um, so seeing that <laughs> seeing him back is uh it means the world to me um and the way and we'll get into the rest of the details as we go but for those reasons You know, again, it really is tough to grade these individual episodes because they are essentially part of the same movie. And I don't know how you can break apart a movie into its different acts and then grade them that way because it is the same story. Um, and what I mean by that is the tone of this episode was very different, for example, than Old Friends Not Forgotten, the first part of this arc. Um, I still think that that episode was my favorite one of out of, out of all four of these just because we got to see Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka, you know, all in their final form, if you will, before everything kind of went haywire. Uh, we saw our heroes being heroic one last time together. Um, and it, that one just gave me all the positive, you know, all the positive feelings. The other episode in this, I loved them for different reasons. I think that the lightsaber duel between Maul and Ahsoka was one of the best we've ever seen in all of Star Wars, not just Star Wars animation, I think that Order 66 just ripped my heart out all over again. But this episode was different. We had already had the climax of this series in the previous week's episode. Order 66 already happened. So now we're just in the falling action, if you will, of this arc. Um... All of our characters are merely reacting to everything that's gone wrong. Um, so there was no tension in that sense. We knew that Rex and Ahsoka were going to get out alive. They were going to survive this. So it was just us trying to think of how were they going to do it. Um, and, and I think that they, they, you know, Dave Filoni did land on his feet with this episode. Um, but it is, again, hard to compare these individual episodes to each other. That being said... I am going to give this one an A. Um, you know, the action was intense. Everything was good. There was nothing bad about it. Um, I, I don't know why. I just think that the only one out of the four of these that I will give the highest of high marks would be the first episode, um, just because it pulled on the heartstrings in, in, in a different way. Uh, but again, solid episode. All these four episodes, there is no contest. Rank in the top four episodes of this series. So Right. And it's interesting you mentioned the first part uh, old old friends not forgotten was your favorite um, of the four. Uh, Matt, what would you say was your favorite of the arc if you have one? Sure. So uh, I I, th I think Obi is right in what he was saying earlier that it it is tough to judge uh, each of these chapters individually, even though they are uh, cut up in a a neat little way. Mm -hmm. I would say, uh, and especially because all of them are just absolutely fantastic. And, you know, the, the criticism I laid at uh, Victory and Death, like, that is literally the only problem I have with the episode. The rest of it is fantastic. Uh, I would say uh, Phantom Apprentice is probably my favorite. 
just because of all the double meaning. There's a lot of double meaning in this arc, uh, not only in the story titles, but everything that happens. And there's so much of that in uh, in Phantom Apprentice that it really, really was just that. That's uh, you know George Lucas is a big fan of Akira Kurosawa, and I would say that Phantom Apprentice out of every episode in the Clone Wars is probably the best uh, testimonial to his work and his contribution to cinema. Oh, agreed. That is such an astute point. And um, I would say that, yes, in Phantom Apprentice, there is so much to unpack, but, you know, bringing it over to me, I guess I'll throw my, you know, throw my two cents in there. I, I would say my favorite of the arc would be Shattered. Um, mm. Just seeing the climax, as you mentioned, it'll be seeing Order 66 unfold, seeing these beloved clones that we've got to know so well over so many seasons and so many years become the faceless monsters that they were by the end of Revenge of the Sith. It, it's heartbreaking. It's not just Order 66 anymore. You know, it is, but it's our... He's, it's D. Bradley Baker. It's, you know... The, it's our friends. It's, it's our friends becoming the monsters. And it's heartbreaking, really. It's seeing Rex, like, seeing him fight it, you know? And, uh, mm-hmm. Crying as he pulled a gun on his old friend. It broke my heart. And, and hearing, even, um, Matt Lanter's and um, uh, re-delivery of the, of the line, right. um, you know, what have I done? You know, hearing that scene again play out and knowing that Ahsoka has sensed all of it because of her a her deep connection to Anakin and just be the sheer amount of um, the sheer weight of that moment. You know, voices crying out in the in the living force. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something else. I think that there again, there's no contest that with these four episodes together as one cinematic experience, it rivals many of the saga films in this franchise. Oh yeah, in my opinion. Definitely, it's. And, and, and part of that and part of that is because you can't divorce it from the rest of the series. What the Clone Wars has done so perfectly, as I believe you've guys spoken about in previous podcasts, is that it took this war that started and you know, this is a common problem throughout Star Wars is having to be filled in the details, uh, even major details of the plots of the main saga films having to be filled in by all this other media. Uh, but what it has done is it has replaced this war between these faceless droids and these, uh, you know, faceless, soulless, personalityless clones, and given them life, and given them personality and a emotional stake. Uh, you know, just thinking back to uh, the fifth episode, rookies, where I to this day get chills when Heavy says, "I don't." And then sets the uh, liquid tabana to destroy the base. Like that is, and we just, it's 20 minutes. We spent 20 minutes with this guy. That's what we did. Not even that. And for it to all build up to this moment brings the emotional toll of Order 66 not only back, but with a vengeance and with a impending doom through, you know, I can see, for instance, why. Uh, Jeff, for you, Shattered is your favorite because 
throughout the entire first half of the episode as they're building up to Order 66, I was so anxious. I was shaking because I knew what was going to happen, and it was terrifying. Exactly. Oh, voice crack. Exactly. And for me, I didn't even look at the description of the episode before I hit play. I just went right in, and I knew Order 66 was coming. Um, but the way that they put the music together, the haunting synth throughout the building, tension, uh, I knew. I knew it was coming, and uh, in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. Well, on a, on a similar note, to kind of go off of what you just were mentioning, the synth that Kevin Kiner introduced in Shattered was very reminiscent of Blade Runner, I, I've said in the previous episodes. Um, and if you notice, the music in this episode was not of that same ilk. It did not have a lot of that synth. It was more strings. Mm. So it kind of shows the release from all of that tension. And it's a musical cue to show us that our characters are now just reacting to everything that happened in the previous episode. Things are spiraling out of control um, and all that tension was released. So very, very interesting stuff. Very interesting stuff. So what we can do now, um, I'm going to go through and I'm just going to give a blanket summary of the episode. And if you guys want to jump in with any thoughts or observations, um, please just be my guest. All right, here we go. The final episode of The Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 12, Victory and Death. We see the red Lucasfilm logo, and we hear a choral introduction with the music. And to me, it reminded me of Duel of the Fates, that the fate of not only our characters, our friends, but the entire galaxy was at stake um, with the events of not only this, not only this episode, but the episodes before. Uh, very, very, forebo- very foreboding. So... We come upon the ship that is traveling through hyperspace as we return to see our heroes on the verge of getting caught by the members of the 332nd. Ahsoka instructs Rex, now with his inhibitor chip removed, to set his blasters to stun because she doesn't want to hurt any of the clones. So just as the 332nd is about to break through the door, Ahsoka uses the force to push the clones back and send them flying. And by the way, I loved the teamwork between Ahsoka and Rex throughout this episode. It was amazing. Um, so, Ahsoka and Rex get to talking about what they're going to do next. And they start talking about Maul. And Rex says, Maul escaped. And Ahsoka says, no, Maul didn't escape. I let him out. Uh, so then we cut to Maul. And Maul has taken over a trooper's comlink to overhear the other clones. Which was a very good tackle move, if I say so myself. Maul absolutely wrecks these clones. Now, Sam Witwer said after the previous week's episode that Maul's hallway scene wasn't done yet, and boy, was he right. Oh, it totally wasn't, man. Like I mentioned, this part of the episode was a particular highlight for me. Just, I'm going to let you keep going. Sure, sure. So Maul goes into the hyperdrive generator room and he destroys the generators. He's wreaking absolute havoc on this ship as Ahsoka told him to. And holy, holy balls, guys. The shot, the shot of the Star Destroyer coming out of hyperspace, all destroyed. And it just stops like that. And it's just floating. That is a powerful, powerful force user. Yeah. 
You know what it brought to mind? That's uh, forgive me for interrupting, but no, what it brought that. to mind was the sheer power of uh, Galen Mark, aka Star Killer, from the Force Unleashed, yeah, yeah. Uh, video games. Just because we know we know there is a power to Maul, but we've seen him defeated so many times, especially by superior superior Force users, that we kind of forget. He was one of only two Darksiders at one point, and he's had so many years to hone his craft with the Force and with the Blade that even the best that the Republic has to offer, now the Empire and Clone Troopers, cannot stand a chance. Right. And it's funny you mentioned Starkiller. Uh, Sam Witwer has brought so much. Right, Star yeah, Wars. exactly. Even, <laughs> even, you know, um, now that that's... Now, Legends, unfortunately, um, he still delivered such a good performance in those games. I have to replay them this quarantine. But I would agree, yes, Maul has had so much time in-universe in this prequel era to hone his craft, like you said. And uh, there's no doubt that all of that time spent thinking about Kenobi uh, and, you know, honing his hatred even uh, sharpening his knives staying in the shadows um it all came to fruition um later later in season five even um when he went to mandalore uh, the way all of that played out all of this played out perfect and i i can't not mention just seeing him pull down those hyperspace engines uh in the back of the ship there like so good so good. It, big Star was, Killer moment. Oh yeah, big Star Ooh. Killer moment. Uh, fitting that Sam Witwer uh, would perform. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, listen, guys, and we thought that the first part of Maul wreaking havoc in the previous episode was insane, and it was. I mean, it was, it was Vader in Rogue One on steroids. Um, but this is just a whole nother level. And no saber necessary. No saber necessary. I mean, that that was the funny part. She, Maul says to Ahsoka, you know help me have a fighting chance and she's like nah chi like you're on your own and he didn't even need it (laughs) no he was fine he's good i mean let's just appreciate for a second dave filoni and sam whitworth for bringing this character back into into the story and giving him a whole new life absolutely hopefully at some point on disney plus or what have you we we see him again uh, in live action, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I know oh, well, we did. We did in solo, but uh, in another way. In a I know we. I know we've been hearing a lot of, um, a lot of leaks, recently, about different shows, different characters appearing in these shows, um, and we don't know the veracity of, of much of it, so we haven't reported on it on our podcast. Um, but I would love to see a Darth Maul series where he is just running Crimson Dawn and just running the show. And doing all sorts of backroom illegal stuff. That would be cool. That that would be cool. I I know f- I I for one would also be totally down with an adaptation of the um, one shot uh, comic series that Marvel did a couple of years back. There was just five issues. It was before the Phantom Menace, where Sidious wouldn't let him kill any Jedi. Oh right, I remember until this. the time was right. Right, and um. He was just so bloodthirsty that those comic issues just showed him in like seedy underbellies, you know, just stalking the Jedi and waiting, waiting mm-hmm. for the right moment um, to take his revenge. 
to take his revenge and uh, mm. something like that would be pretty damn cool too i must say yeah i agree so all this is going on maul is just destroying everything any semblance of an alliance between maul and ahsoka is just gone it's just not going to happen so we see that the clone squads are moving into position in the hangar bay and the droids are helping out Ahsoka and Rex, the three or four astromech droids. Uh, one of them played by Dave Filoni. Um, <laughs> and we think for a second, oh, they're going to be able to get out. you know. And we didn't know for the first time we watched this episode that the majority of the, of the episode will be spent on this ship. I originally watching this, I thought, oh, they're going to get out here and that'll be it. You know, They're going to go do their own thing and we're going to get a big montage of, of you know, what else is going on in the galaxy. But I'm glad that Filoni kept it tight on what's going on with our heroes in this sense. Because we already know what's going on in the wider galaxy with respect to Order 66, the rest of the 501st, the rise of the Empire and whatnot. You know, this whole arc was to close Ahsoka and Rex's story, not necessarily everyone else's. Because we already got that in Revenge of the Sith. So we believe for a moment that Ahsoka and Rex can actually get out of here. But the hangar doors open up and the entirety of the 332nd that is still left comes out and faces, turns to face Ahsoka and Rex on the bridge. And they're actually, they find out uh, as the, as the main hangar door opens of the ship that they are careening towards this unnamed moon. They're caught in its gravitational field. So we see the moon outside. And I don't know about you guys, that thing seemed terrifyingly, close i loved that though um when the hangar doors opened you, you know what's up right because that planet is just inching closer with every second and mm -hmm. that that added to the tension of this episode it reminded me of the scene the first scene in raiders of the lost ark when indy has to jump across um the little pit to get out after he took the idol and the and the the big boulders coming down after him, and the wall is going down ever so you know it's going down pretty fast, and he reaches, and he can't get out, but he eventually rolls out, and his hat or his whip is behind, and he grabs the whip at the last second, um, and it's an interesting filmmaking technique, uh, it just ups the tension because when you think about it with respect to that scene in Indiana Jones, the door in reality that wall that was coming down would have closed a lot faster than it did in the film but they cut it in such a way where you can stretch it out to add to the tension. Right. Um, I believe that, I mean, I don't know, I'm not an astrophysicist, just how close they seemed to be to that moon when they first opened those doors. They would have burned up in the atmosphere a lot quicker than they did, I would like to think. But then again, I don't I don't really know. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Well, he, he, therein lies my issue with this episode, as I had mentioned earlier, is that they are terrifyingly close to this moon. Uh, you guys put it very well. Like they are, they are right on top of it when the hangar doors open, and the clones of the three thirty second, as well as the bridge officers, seem pretty content with just kind of saying, "Well, we really got to get these traitors." And I'm like, maybe, maybe it's just part of the Order sixty six programming. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it, it could be explained is. in canon. But that will they um and that will I'll let you finish um and then we'll get to the yeah but I'm I'm just looking at this and I'm like all these guys are 
going to die, Ahsoka and Rex are going to die if this thing hits this moon the way it's going to hit it. So wouldn't it be wiser to just try and escape the ship and then leave Ahsoka and Rex and Maul there? You know, that's a good point. Um, what, the way that I think about it is it's supposed to be like poetically tragic in the sense, and I was going to get to this in a little bit, but um, let me, let me actually, I'll go back into my, what I was saying, then I'll, I'll roll it in. So the clones all come out from the hangar doors and they turn to face Ahsoka and Rex and Jesse is leading the troops. Uh, but Ahsoka says she doesn't want to hurt the clones. And Rex says, I hate to tell you this, but they don't care. They're willing to die and take you and me along with them. So Ahsoka removes his mask to reveal a single tear. And then Ahsoka says, they may be willing to die, but I am not the one who is going to kill them. So that kind of rolls into what you were saying, Matt, where Order 66 has completely taken over their mental capacities, and they are so... um, I'm trying to think of a good word for it. Yeah, but they... so They're so enraged that their only, only thing they can focus on is killing Ahsoka, and then, I guess, going after Rex for disobeying orders. It completely overrode any sense of rationality with them. And what's tragic about that is Ahsoka is doing everything she can to not only escape and not hurt them, but at the same time, these clones completely disregard that. They don't care not only about her, but about their own lives, and they're just trying to get her. Exactly. They're almost like machines with Order 66, with the inhibitor chips that are in their brains. They're no better than the droids. They're no better than the droids, right? They become the very thing that they sought to destroy, in a way. Nice. Because they... Their single directive, once Order 66 was issued, was to destroy the Jedi. Nothing else really matters. They need to get that done, right? It it, it was the flip of a switch, right? And Rex, and what's so beautiful about when Ahsoka takes off his mask, that moment, to me, was very symbolic, right? Because... He knows what's going on in their their minds. It was it was just happening minutes before the events that we saw in this episode. And in removing the mask, he's not you know, it's like, hey man, remember you're not one of these faceless monsters anymore. Dave Filoni is reminding us, the viewer, he's not one of the faceless monsters, right? And it's it is tragic. Right. He, I mean, after all, he is Rex, and we will call him Captain or Sir. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no. But I, I I, do, I love that moment. That is one of the leading moments of this episode. Just to see Ahsoka not willing to kill these men who are trying to brutally murder her, and Rex saying, no, this is what we have to do. Rex is a character who we have known has been loyal to his brothers to a fault. And here he is, exactly, and here he is saying, no, I'm willing to betray my brothers for you because you were my family the entire time. Now, Dave Filoni has said that The Clone Wars is truly the story of Ahsoka and Rex. And before this season, before this arc, I didn't really get that. Mm. I really didn't. You know, I loved Ahsoka, I loved Rex, but I always thought that their stories came secondarily to the main stories of Anakin, Obi-Wan, you know, the Jedi and whatnot. But with this arc and the way that he ended it, it just encapsulates that point so well like i said before this doesn't need to be the conclusion to anakin's story or obi-wan's story or anybody else's story because they already get their conclusions in the in the in the films this is just showing us how these two characters survive 
how they get out of all of this. So we see Ahsoka telling the droids to help her escape. So the droids help her out, and then we cut to Rex leading Ahsoka out towards the 332nd troopers down on the platform at Blaster Point. And the troopers take aim. So Rex is out there playing semantics with clone trooper Jesse, claiming that, well, you know, Ahsoka isn't a Jedi, and therefore isn't under the purview of Order 66. And this is interesting. Jesse then says that they are under strict orders from Darth Sidious to execute Order 66, uh, and specifically Ahsoka Tano, and execute any clone trooper that doesn't cooperate. Now, it's interesting that Jesse says Darth Sidious right there. I know I've said this before that... um, that Rex said, you know, yes, Lord Sidious. But that's interesting because before this, they'd only known him as the Chancellor, Chancellor Palpatine, you know, Senator Palpatine. I wonder what it was that got these clones to not only, number one, recognize that he was Darth Sidious, a Sith Lord, number two, being okay with that fact because the Sith were anathema to everything that the Republic stands for. So. It's just programming, man, right? Because when the chip came out of Rex, he immediately snapped out of it. He's like, sorry about that kid. I don't know what was, I don't know what came over me. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is really, they are machines. And unfortunately, you know, well, I think what was interesting for me from, from noticing that little, that little um, nomenclature detail is that with order 66, like you were saying, it truly is the flip of a switch. They're going from troopers that are loyal to the Republic as an idea, as an institution to, these essentially mindless stormtroopers that are loyal to Palpatine and Palpatine only. Right. The clones, their humanity was always in question. Always. Right. You know, if it were, Rex even said in Shattered, if it weren't for this war, we wouldn't exist. And what humanity they had was taken away by force with Order 66. That, that's what makes it so tragic. Right. That's what kills me. That's what killed me watching Shattered in this episode. What's fascinating to me about that scene and indeed Rex's earlier sort of weird breakdown when the order comes is their humanity actually isn't entirely erased because you see Jesse, if you notice, before he says, you know, oh, Darth Sidious, uh, you know, has given us this strict order, you see him lowering his pistols at first. Mm-hmm. And, and he struggles. He's questioning. Right. Yeah, he's questioning it. And we don't get to see that in the movies. We just get to see the clones go, oh, yep, Order 66. All right, blow them up. Get rid of them. Blast them. And him. in this, yeah, blast them, exactly. <laughs> and in this, but in this, it's, oh, wait, hold on. What? Maybe something is up. And I think uh, that is, again, an added complexity to the clones that I really, really appreciate. Uh, Clone Wars giving to us because, again, they originally this these faceless, absolutely inhuman machines CGI of war. Even. Yeah, exactly CGI. Yeah, yeah. Tamara Morrison, he showed up and they you know did the scan of his face and they were like, okay, thanks. Uh, here's your however much thousands of dollars for your work. Now we're just gonna have a computer run this. Lines, yeah. Yeah, actually, it's exactly. funny. It's funny in the interviews um, for Revenge of the Sith, he he was on camera saying, "They only use me for my body." <laughs> <laughs> oh my! No, they they didn't say that. But. 
But that was my best Tamara Morrison, by the way. Reportedly coming back for Mando season two. Uh, this isn't a Mando episode. I'm not going to get too much. To reportedly, to reportedly play Boba Fett. Boba. And maybe even Captain Rex. You never, you never that know. That would be crazy. That, that would be, be crazy to get if he played both of them. To get Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka and Tamar Morrison as Rex, that'd be so cool. Yeah, um, cool. Also, rumors of an Ahsoka standalone series, but I digress. Well, if I can, if I can add one more quick thing, I meant to mention this earlier when uh, Ahsoka and Rex have that moment on the observation deck of the hangar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if you noticed, but Cheap, uh, who is voiced by. Uh, our very own Dave Filoni, uh, he extends one of his uh, little grabbers yeah. and salutes Ahsoka. Yeah. Dude, I love that. Which, which, like, you know, at first you see it and like, oh, that's cute. But then, uh, you know, I've watched this uh, in preparation for uh, for this podcast. I watched the finale two more times. I thought a minute, I, I, thought, I stopped for a second and said, wait a minute. A big thing in the beginning and really throughout this arc has been how much the clones care about loyalty and the clones respect Ahsoka, even though, and, you know, still call her commander, still salute her, even though she's not their commanding officer anymore. And that added with Cheap's, with Cheap's little salute, it added to me that, hey, not only can clones be human, but maybe droids can be too. And it... (laughs) It just drove another stake into my heart when, when you know, ultimately all these clones die at, with this crash. I was like, seriously, Dave Filoni, you're, you're seriously making me cry <laughs> during quarantine? Like, I'm already emotionally wrecked enough. Right, you crying. give me this. Uh, you're, you're making me cry more. Uh, thanks, man. But that, that's so true, though. That, and that's a recurring theme in all of Star Wars, is it not? That all of these droids that we see, these cute little metallic companions they are so human uh r2d2 is probably the most human character in all of star wars if you ask me mm-hmm. so I, I i love that you noticed that matt mm-hmm. i agree so jesse they're 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 down there on the platform and jesse says you know after struggling with the semantics of what's going on he he claims that rex captain rex in or actually at that time commander rex uh is in violation of Order 66 and says that he's going to, at you know, on the spot, demote him back to captain and sentences him to execution. Which is really funny, by the way, because that just kind of ties up the little plot hole that they created two episodes before, uh, three episodes before, when Anakin promoted him to commander. Uh, because we know in Star Wars Rebels, when Rex comes back, he introduces himself as Captain Rex. So they had to rectify that, and I'm glad they did in that way. I never liked being a commander anyway. Exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. the line. That's the line, Rude. <laughs> that, that's it. So he says that line uh, as Ahsoka looks over to the droid, and they give her the nod um, as, as best the droid could, and all hell actually breaks loose, and we see Ahsoka and Rex just beat back these troopers. Ahsoka, you know, deflecting their shots, their blaster bolts, and Rex right behind her, you know, peeking out to shoot them with the... Um, with the stun, the stun gun, if you will. And they are thrown down, these troopers, as the floor collapses. And we realize that these droids that are helping Ahsoka and Rex out are the ones that are messing with the platform. So they're getting thrown all about. And we see that Maul is trying to take the ship as he enters the scene. And Ahsoka chases him. And there's a bit of a, bit of a fight. And she uses the force to hold Maul's ship as he tries to escape. 
Now that was a direct parallel uh, to The Rise of Skywalker when we see Rey and Kylo Ren fighting over the transport that reportedly is holding Chewbacca. Uh, luckily, Ahsoka did not shoot any Force Lightning or Force Justice. Um, <laughs> Maul! <laughs> 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 I'm oh. over it. <laughs> oh, God. That's funny. Um, well, whenever I see that kind of... Whenever I see that uh, for that little force power of someone holding back a ship like that always brings me back to like one of the first... When I fought Maul and lived. Um, when I went on Star Tours... At that point, the ride is always changing um, because it is like a motion ride or whatever. But at that point, Vader, um, when you're trying to leave, the ride is set in the original trilogy era. Uh, you're leaving an Imperial destroyer, I believe, uh, to go on a tour. And, you know, C-3PO is on there and, you know, you know spoiler alert, the ride isn't, this isn't even the ride anymore, so not really. Um, you're actually transporting some, you know, rebel intelligence. And when they find that out, Vader actually force pulls your uh, little tour cruiser. Really cool. Whenever I see that stuff, it always reminds me of that um, mm-hmm. little moment on the ride there back in Disney. Mm-hmm. See, it's funny you say that, Jeff, because what that reminds me of is in the Ultimate Sith Edition to bring for- uh, Force Unleashed back into it and to bring Sam Witwer back into it. In the Ultimate Sith Edition, you get to play additional missions uh in which Starkiller has now be has killed Darth Vader and has become the Emperor's new apprentice, and he is leading the assault on Hoth uh, from Episode Five, and he is holding the Millennium Falcon in place with the Force, in seemingly unlike Rey and Ahsoka with seeming ease, and the really the only thing stopping him from pulling it toward him is just his own will, and. That that's what that reminded me of, and I was again another Sam Witwer connection. I was just like, they can't not keep putting this in because the Force Unleashed was so great. I think we should just we should just title this episode that Sam Witwer is the goat. It's that simple. He really is. I gotta replay Force Unleashed. My God, Mm, I have never played it. You get oh man, you you're missing out. I know. I might have to. So I I might have to. Uh, so Ahsoka realizes that it isn't worth it to hold Maul back anymore, and she lets him go. And she finds a moment of peace in which to, to release him. That was a really cool moment. But the next moment, this is in all caps in my notes, uh, Ahsoka throws down her sabers and spins them with the Force to cut through the floor. Holy shit. That's, Honestly. Dude, that was, that was wicked cool. I had to like rewind it. It's and so watch her. that like ten times. That moment was so her though. It That's was. Why I love it. it was. So they fall through the floor, and they find themselves surrounded. Um, as the droids that are helping them out throw the clones up and down again with the with the platform, and that was really, really, really a, ni- a nice bit of comedy. But then we see the clones come upon the droids and they execute them, and I was sadder than I thought I would be with that. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I remember in that scene, actually, so uh, R7, Ahsoka's designated astromech, is killed earlier, or destroyed, I should say, earlier, uh, as Ahsoka is still holding the shuttle. And it's, it's fa- funny because, again, R7 kind of acts like a clone, uh, 
in that, uh, you know, as a as a plot device, in that for most of the show, uh, for most of the time we know R7, it's just there to be Ahsoka's astromech. Like, there's nothing special about it. It's not like, it's not like R7 is uh, anything like R2. You know, you don't have that connection. <laughs> exactly. And then throughout this arc, you see the loyalty that R7 has for Ahsoka, the creativity it has uh, as an astromech, the personality, and then it's just ripped from us again. And I was just like, what? Again, another point where I'm just like, Dave Filoni just doesn't like my emotions, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't R7 in the Sunny Day in the Void arc, or no? I don't think he was. No. No? No, he... I, I, R7, or I don't know if it's a he or she or an it or whatever, but... Uh, we don't judge. We were a, yeah, we were a yeah. pro... Uh, non-binary droid podcast, <laughs> which is funny because I'm pretty what? sure I'm pretty sure droids would only operate in binary. <laughs> oh, shut up, shut up. I, I also that well, that's another point. Why are droids gendered? They really don't need to be, but right. that's that's a different discussion. But anyway, R seven R seven really just pops up every now and again whenever Ahsoka's in a starfighter, pretty much, mm-hmm. okay. and that's really it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So. The clones execute those droids, and it was sad. It was quite sad. And by this time, they have... I think they've entered the atmosphere of the moon, and they're going down. The ship is going to burn up. So Ahsoka uses the Force to throw Rex toward an X-Wing, and he jumps in, and as the ship enters the atmosphere and blows apart, um, he launches the ship out of the Star Destroyer. So Ahsoka jumps out as he launches the Y-Wing, and we see her flying towards the ship, as Rex opens the hatch to let her in, but she can't reach it. And then we get a really cool parallel. Uh, she runs along the wreckage of the ship in the similar style to the first episode of this arc, in which she is racing Rex to the ground uh, of Mandalore. I don't know if you guys noticed that, the whole race to the bottom thing. It was yeah. similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we get a little bit of a, a bit of a moment where she's trying to, to reach this Y-wing before the Star Destroyer hits the ground and, and explodes. Um, and she and she ends up making it in there, and they peel off as the destroyer, you know, plummets to the clouds, and we know it's going to hit the ground soon thereafter. So then it fades to black, and we get a close up of Rex as it hits them, what they just went through. We come across the wreckage of the star destroyer. It's on fire. It's smoking, and the music shifts to become more. Oh boy, ref- does it shift! More reflective. We hear the it piano. Shifts. We hear the piano, we hear the strings, and we do get a tinge of that synth back, you know, that very reminiscent of Blade Runner. Um, and we see, we come upon Rex, and he's bringing supplies back to the Y-Wing, you know, a shovel, etc. And the camera pans out to show Ahsoka standing out in the wreckage in front of what appear to be the graves of the members of the 332nd. And she's wearing her Jedi robes once again uh, that the Jedi would customarily wear at funerals. And as she looks out over the graves, which, you know, they have pikes and they have the helmets of each of the troopers, she picks up her lightsaber. I don't know which one of the two it was, whether it was the Shoto lightsaber or the other one, uh, letting it drop from her hands, but not her other saber, which is interesting. Um, So then it fades to black and some time appears to pass as we see an Imperial ship landing on the same moon. We see snowtroopers, stormtroopers, an entire Imperial military unit. Uh, we see and hear the probe droids uh, that we are first introduced to 
in um, The Empire Strikes Back. And then we see Vader. Now, snow has fallen, as I said, so some time has passed. I don't know exactly how long it would be. I would imagine it would be maybe a couple months to a couple of years. And Vader comes and looks out over the wreckage. And he kneels down and he picks up Ahsoka's lightsaber. Now, anybody else that would come upon this would think, you know, that's where she's buried. That's where she died. Um, But Anakin, as Vader, probably thought different. So he walks away after igniting the saber. And we get a really cool shot of Vader holding this blue saber. So he he deignites it. Uh, he walks away as we see his reflection in a clone trooper's helmet of Ahsoka, you know, the the three thirty second helmet with her face on it. And then it fades to black. And that's that. And that's that. So yeah. all right. First things first. Um, I need to talk about. I think we need to talk about that. Um, that scene uh, of where she was just standing there in front of the graves of her of her comrades and Rex's brothers, right? Um, heartbreaking, a- absolutely heartbreaking, but also beautiful. In that, even though they were all trying to brutally kill uh, the two of them, they still remembered them for who they were as we will as we always will with the show when we revisit it through the years i know i'm i know someday i want to revisit the show with my children um so special to me and um seeing them you know saying goodbye but also remembering something else and you know we can i'll I'll turn over to you guys sure matt if you want to take it Sure. So my observance of this, uh, of that scene, you know, at first, uh, again, I encourage anybody listening to do as I did and watch this arc multiple times because you're going, it's really necessary to do so. And what what I found was, first of all, it's very satisfying to have the Clone Wars uh, as a series uh, that began in the movie with Ahsoka to end with her as well. But uh, what really got me was that Ahsoka was... Ahsoka, Ahsoka's families have always mm, really believed in her and really supported her to a point. She didn't really have a family uh, to begin with, a blood family, because she was taken as an infant uh, to be become a, a Jedi. And then the Jedi betray her, and then her the clones betray her, and yet she still loves them. I haven't seen Rebels yet, unfortunately, but I know uh, in her confrontation with Vader in that show, she refuses to believe that Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker. And similarly, in this show, when Maul says that uh, Anakin is supposed to be Sidious's new apprentice, she refuses to believe that as well. Uh, and similarly, in this, when the clones betray her, she refuses to kill them. And it's and she even honors them in their deaths. She buries them and honors them as well as she can with what little they have. And it's really heartbreaking to see how much Ahsoka is so profoundly alone in the galaxy. 
and that she never really has that's that's the tragedy of Ahsoka Tano is that she's never really had a family that has stuck by her no matter what and it has hardened her I want to say we can check this I want to say by the end of the Clone Wars she's only 17 years old maybe 18 and that's really young to have been to have gone through what she has experienced and be so alone in the galaxy, especially now at this time of upheaval and the dominance of evil across the galaxy. It's it's something that I I it's just I I, I I'm having a difficulty putting it to, into words how powerful it is because it is just so profoundly sad for her character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it speaks to war itself, right? Right. Um that no one really wins in war, right? Um especially in this one. Um given the circumstances, but to me also I have to mention this dropping the saber. Um finally for her that mo- for me heartbreaking as it was I was happy for her um, and that she finally had a moment of reprieve after all of this, that she could put it down. Mm-hmm. You know, I... arms, if you will. Right, right. I, I wanted to end this by just talking about what this episode means, um, what this final arc means in terms of the of the entire show. So to me, this episode in particular is about letting go. As I, as I stated with the previous episode, we kind of got the emotional high point of the series. Would you, if you guys would agree, you know, that is the the climax, if you will, of all of this with Order sixty six. Mm-hmm. But what this is, it's about letting go. Should let go of them all. So, Ahsoka was loyal to, like you were saying, Matt, to the clones, to Anakin, to the Jedi, to almost almost to a fault, where the Jedi betrayed her where the clones betrayed her, where the Republic betrayed her, but she was loyal to the clones, to the Jedi, to the Republic. If we can go back to episode 9, where she was talking to Mace Windu and Yoda, and she said, I was doing all of this as a citizen of the Republic for the betterment of the Republic. Well, guys, there's no Republic anymore. I mean, as we know, at the same time as this is going on, Palpatine in front of the Senate declaring the creation of the First Galactic Empire. So she, in throughout the course of this episode, she has to let go of the clones that that she has commanded and fought alongside for the past three years for the Republic that has been her home for her entire life. Uh, Jeff, as you were alluding to, she lets go of Maul, realizing that, you know, he has to fight another day if she is to get out of all this. She has to let go of the Jedi when she drops her saber. Um, but even from a more meta perspective, it's it's showing us to let go. It, it right. it's showing us that we have to let go of of this story of this show. Yeah, and that is more. Uh, furthermore, like it's also letting go of your feelings, right? Um, mm-hmm. She can finally she finally doesn't have to fight anymore. Right. For now, right. Um, letting go of that too, even. Exactly. Exactly. It it's showing us that we must let go of this story. And that is exemplified perfectly by the last shot that we see of the Clone Wars. And that is of Vader's reflection as he walks away from the 
clone trooper helmet with Ahsoka's facial markings on it. The to me, what it represents is Vader being the symbol of the original trilogy, walking away from a clone trooper helmet, the symbol of the prequel trilogy. Right. It's and it's it's Star Wars saying yeah. this story is closed, the book is over, you can close it now. Um and there there are more stories to tell. Exactly. And that was a very Anakin moment, if you ask me, right? Maybe maybe one of the last moments he had, right, before everything. Because we don't know when exactly that was, right? When when Vader, you know, visited that planet and uh, picked up the saber. We don't we don't know when that was, if it was before episode four, between four and five, between five and six, we don't know. Um, but we can assume, yeah, probably before episode four, considering what happened in Rebels, right? Um, that, too, was a bit, was quite um, heartbreaking, because you know that Ahsoka was, for Anakin, one of the last people that he trusted, right? And I, I know I interpreted that moment as her, as him, you know, believing that she died there, um, and that her saber was a final remembrance of one of the last people that meant anything to Anakin Skywalker, right? And that turning away and walking away from it, that's that. That's it. I loved her. I cared for her. Um, she's gone too. So, uh, so shit. Time to invade her completely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, what a way to end it. I tell you what, guys. Um, I am very grateful that this show was able to make a resurgence after six years and complete the story. I think the way that they left it off with the Lost Missions in Episode 6 with Yoda and Qui-Gon Jinn and all, and all that jazz was really excellent. Um, but to be able to finish this series concurrently with the events of Episode 3 and to round out all these arcs was perfect. Uh, I think it enriched the story of episode three. Um, I can't wait to watch one of those supercuts with these episodes interspersed with the events of Revenge of the Sith. Um, just very thankful that Disney was able to do something objectively right with this show. Um, I know a lot of folks have been saying this last arc was better than the entirety of the sequel trilogy. I disagree. I think that they're both great for different reasons. Um, Exactly. <laughs> I, I saw I saw a tweet today that was, this, uh, I think it was a prequel memes tweet, and it was someone saying, you know, thank God you're able to grow up with this, and it was a picture of the Clone Wars as opposed to this, and it was Star Wars Resistance. Oh, <laughs> it's like yeah. I don't know if you guys have watched Resistance, but it, it's it's rough. It's rough. It's it's very much it it's very much for kids. I was only able to watch six episodes, and I turned it off. I mean, it's done now. Just two seasons. I'll probably check it out. Yeah. I mean, okay. To time. be fair. To be fair, the Clone Wars movie, the Clone Wars movie was definitely for kids. It was not good. Right, but if we're talking about the ultimate glow up, though, let's just Ahsoka Tano. I mean, everybody oh, hated absolutely. her. Well, I, I remember I saw the movie in two thousand eight, and I was like, "Why the hell does Anakin have a student? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make oh, any sense like at all." I was like, "This I is this like is so either. dumb." And she's a dumb character, but now it's like she is the pinnacle of. Um, of character development in Star Wars, but that glow up though, that's that's Clone Wars as a whole too. I agree. Right in in every sense, I the agree. Quality of the episodes, 
the quality of the animation it was constantly improving a little bit mm-hmm. you know especially once you hit like season four you saw that shift right and, right oh my god did you see the difference in season seven mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then just by the end we have a movie essentially with the siege of mandalore my god <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and it's going to have a valued place in the beloved canon of the Star Wars franchise. Valued yeah, place in my heart, even. Mm-hmm. In the archives of the Jedi were. <laughs> pour, pour, yes. pour one out for the Clone Wars. Absolutely. All right. All right, guys, that'll do it. Thank you so much for listening. Matt, thank you so much for coming on today. We'll have to do this again sometime. Had a very, very lovely time talking shop with you. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to have done this. I'm excited to possibly do it again. And uh, I just want to wish for everybody out there listening for the force to be with you Mm. very well very well said if you guys like what you heard you can find us on spotify on the podcast app uh we're on twitter and instagram at jedi jargon pod and again if you like what you heard the biggest way to help us grow our audience is to tell your friends tell your friends you know send them our podcast um and help spread the good news about star wars so And, and Matt, tell the people where they can find you online. Sure. They can find me at QB, that's C-U-B-E-Y, number three. Uh, I'm that on Twitter and Instagram. You're also perfectly welcome to follow my uh, political campaigns at ElectQB. Love that. You know, uh, Matt, that's really great. I, uh, I'm not brave enough for politics. But that's actually not true. I'm a... I deserve my glory. <laughs> that's not true, that's <laughs> not true at all. It's not true at all. You just wanted to say it. Yeah, I just wanted to throw uh... the line in there. That's funny. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we will see you next week with more Star Wars content. It has been a blast breaking down and discussing the Clone Wars with you guys these past few weeks. And remember, the pod will be with you always. Always. <laughs>